You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. During the week, I started reading a book called Unstoppable by Christine Kane. I don't know if you know Christine Kane. She is a well-known world writer. She and her husband started up a program called A1, and it's to take young girls out of a sex trade and bring them into safe houses. And she travels around the world doing that. But in this book that I'm reading, as I said, I've only just started it, but it's really interesting because she, she looks at the Christian life as if we are in a relay race. And, um, and she described that uh, as a means of us carrying our baton and, and passing it on. And you might say, well, what's my baton? Well, it's the gospel. And it's your story, what Jesus has done in your life. That's your baton, and we need to, to pass it on to those around us. And she uses the example of the Olympic Games. And, and she talked about the fact that in 2000, uh, the Olympic Games was held in Sydney, as you probably know, and the American women's relay team... Uh, were known as the, the Goldies, or they always won. They were the favourites. They were the ones who, who always win. And when it came to the race, they, they started off in the finals, and the first runner ran, and she passed on the baton to the next one. And as she ran, she fumbled in trying to give it to the third runner. And they lost a few seconds, <clears throat> which meant that they didn't win, but they came third in, in, in the race which was very disappointing for America, but uh, they didn't pass on the baton properly. And then the the next Games, which was in 2004, was in Athens. And again, the American team fronted up, and they uh, came into the game, and as they began to run, number two, as she passed on to number three, didn't get there in time. There's a a space where they've got to pass the baton over. And they went past that and they were disqualified. So they got nothing, that team. 2008, they were in Beijing. And they said, we're going to do it this time. They didn't even make the finals. They dropped the baton in the semifinals and so they didn't even get to the finals. In 2012, in London, this team said, we're going to do it this time. I mean, they've had a few attempts at it and didn't get there. But in 2012, not only did they win, but they broke the the, the fastest record for the race. You see, it was all in the passing the baton over. And if they didn't do it right, if they fumbled, if they dropped it, or if they carried it too long, they were disqualified. And the question is, how are you carrying your baton? Are you fumbling? Are you holding on for too long? Have you dropped it? What are you doing with your, your baton? As you know, we're beginning a series in Matthew, and um, Jane read very nicely this morning from chapter 1, and so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat someone else. And it's the family tree of Jesus. The family tree. In Matthew... Matthew goes back as far as Abraham. 
But in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, it goes right back to Adam, showing the line, the family tree coming down. And, and today there's a big push, isn't there, for, for knowing your family tree, for knowing what, I wonder what secrets there are there. I wonder what little cupboards that we haven't heard of and maybe there's something in there. And I know I've heard of people who say, you know, I'm a descendant from a convict. I've heard of others who, who've got royalty. And there's a big push today, and you see it advertised on TV all the time, about going back into your ancestry and, and finding out what's back there. The Jewish people love their family history. And so Matthew begins to write, and he goes back as far as... Abraham, as I said. But Matthew does something really, really interesting. In this family tree, there's five women mentioned, which is really unusual for the Jewish people to do that. Because back in biblical days, the woman was just there for the guy. Never counted. Children didn't matter. It was just the men. If you read the scriptures, if you look at the, the, um, the great miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000, Matthew adds, not counting women and children, because they were never counted. And yet here in Matthew's gospel, five women are mentioned. And the interesting thing about Matthew's gospel as we go through, not only today but in the future, you'll find that God comes and takes ordinary people to use them for his glory that's what I love about God he takes ordinary people like you and I he doesn't often take those who who are up there in the limelight he he takes those people who, who seem to be hidden people who feel at times rejected and unloved and unwooded, he takes those people to use glory to his name. And in these five women, four of them are really come from those who have been despised and rejected. So this morning I want us to look at them and hear a little bit of their story. You know, the Bible's really honest and uh, sometimes... It's embarrassing to know what these people got up to. Because the first person we find is Tamer. That's in verse 3 of chapter 1 of Matthew. But her story is found in Genesis chapter, thir- verse th- chapter 38. And I don't want you to look to it now, but you can do it later. It's very interesting. And it really is like an R-rated movie as you, as you read through it. Talking about R-rated, I remember... When I was in the prison work, I used to periodically take films into the inmates to watch. And this one day I arrived and the, the guy taking down the, to send out the passes, he just said to me, it wouldn't be R-rated, would it? I said, well, actually it is. And oh, he said, oh, I've got a huge crowd that day. I've got more fellows there than I've ever had before. <laughs> but the chief officer came to me and he said, how dare you? You call yourself a chaplain, you call yourself a Christian, and you're showing R-rated movies. I said, yeah, R for religious. <coughs> Packed house. And once they got out of their yard, they couldn't go back, they had to stay there and watch it. <laughs> but the story of Tamer is really interesting. She, she marries the oldest son of Judah. 
And if you read through 30, chapter 32, uh, 38 of Genesis, you'll, you'll see who all these people are. And this guy that she marries is, ends up being a really wicked guy. And the Bible says that God killed him. He, 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 was, he was a no-gooder. And so God got rid of him. <clears throat> and the custom was in that day that if a woman marries a guy and they don't have any children, she then marries his brother. It's just automatic. So Tamar now marries the brother of the guy who's just died. And he didn't want to get Tamar pregnant. So God killed him. So here's poor Tamar. She's, she's got nobody. She's a widow. She's lost two husbands. And there's one more brother, but he's too young to get married. And Judah said, I want you to go home and wait. And when he gets older, I'll, I'll give him to you then. But he goes back on his promise. And meanwhile, Judah's wife dies. And this is where the saucy parts comes. Tamar realises that if she doesn't have children... She's out of the family. She can't be part of the family because she's, she's an outcast. She's just not there. And so she disguises herself as a, as a prostitute and goes into to Judah and she falls pregnant through him. And she gets twins. And God in his love and mercy brings her in to the family tree. Isn't that incredible? Not that God condoned what she did, but he's a forgiving God. And you see, I could go into the prisons and I could say to the guys there, it doesn't matter what you've done, God loves you and God will forgive you. And here's Tamar, who has been accepted by God and has been brought into the family tree. The next woman that's mentioned is Rahab. Now, she's a, she's a special woman as well. She, we find her story in Joshua chapter 2 and chapter 6. And Rahab comes on the scene and she's a prostitute in the town of Jericho. And Joshua sent the spies. You remember the story when he sends the spies into Jericho to spy it out? And they're discovered and Rahab takes them into her house and she hides them. And when the soldiers come, she, she tells lies. She said that they've escaped and so on. And, and she protects them. And as they were leaving at night, they came down over the wall and they came through her window. She said, now you protect me when you come to destroy this city. And they said, if you t- tie a scarlet cord out through your window, you and your family will be protected. And that's what they did. And she was protected. And the Bible tells us that she married a guy called Semen, and it, it's rumoured that Semen was one of the spies. I don't know how true that is, but one of the commentaries said that there's a possibility that that happened. And here is a, a woman who's a Canaanite, who is the enemy of the Jewish people, and she's in the family tree. Isn't that amazing? You see, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things are gone and the new have come. And even though Jesus hadn't come at that point in time, that's what God did in the, in the life of Rahab. Completely and totally changed. And she's now in the, in the family tree. The third person that's mentioned 
is Ruth. Now, Ruth is the daughter-in-law of Naomi. Ruth had, uh, Naomi had two sons, and they've left the, the Holy Land, they've gone into the land of the Moabites, and the sons have, have married the Mo- two women from the Moabites. And for reasons unbeknown to us, both Ruth's husband and, I mean, Naomi's husband and her two sons die. And so Ruth is one of the, the, the daughters-in-law and, and there's another one, I can't think of her name. And, and, and Ruth says to them, I, would, I mean, Naomi says to them, go back to your people because I can't produce any more children for you and if I do, you've got to wait many years till they grow up to be able to get married. So go back to your own people. And, and Ruth said these words. These are the famous words that have come down through the generations. When Naomi said that to her, she said, Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. You probably hear that at weddings and such like things. And so Ruth came, stayed with Naomi and she ends up marrying Boaz. And she is the grandmother of King David as they came into the family. A Moabite brought into the family. And you see, that's what God does to us, isn't it? The Bible tells us Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. Now if God can take these particular women that we're looking at, people who are outcasts like Rahab, people who, who are very ordinary, and he, and he puts them into the family tree so they can be used of God and we can read about it centuries later, how much more can he take you and I? And you see, Romans 8 tells us that we have been adopted into the family of God. We are part of God's family, just like Rahab just like these others that have been mentioned. And God wants to take you and he, and he wants to take me and he, he wants us to, to run with our baton. And he will help us to do it. He will help us not to drop it. He will help us not to, to fumble with it. He will help us not to hang on to it too long. He will help us to, to get it through so other lives will be touched. And so I ask you the question again. How are you running your race? And what are you doing with your baton? Then there's another one mentioned in verse 6 of chapter 1 of Matthew. Her name's not actually mentioned, but it's mentioned as the wife of Uzziah, Uriah. This is Bathsheba. Bathsheba, you probably know the name. King David had an affair with him. Remember King David was out on the balcony, out on the rooftop and he looked over and he saw Bathsheba and he wounded her and so he went and, and took her and, um, and had an affair with her. And through that affair, she falls pregnant. So David, to try and cover up for that, gets Uriah and puts him on the front line of the battle line so he would get killed. So David now has committed murder, really. Probably today it would be classed as manslaughter, but... He purposely got him killed. And he takes Bathsheba to be his wife. So she really is a victim. And yet here she is, 
is part of the line of Jesus coming down. I'm just blown away every time I think of these different people because they're really nobodies, not of any great importance. And yet God has seen fit to, to take them and not only take them and change them, but they are now into the family tree, following down to the birth of Jesus. Wow. So that's four. We have Tamar, we have Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. The last one's mentioned is in verse 16, and it's Mary. And of course, we all know the story of Mary. It's a Christmas story, isn't it? Here's this teenage girl who God comes to through an angel and says, you've been chosen to be the mother to, to bring into the world our saviour Jesus what a privilege and as we look at Mary and, and there's no doubt why she is, is in the family tree because she's obedient she says Lord if that's what you want I'm here, I'm willing to be what you want me to be but she was only a teenager you know, she wasn't a, a woman of 25 or 30 she was probably 15 16 years of age and can you imagine what she went through when people discovered she was pregnant and not married? Even Joseph, who she had been engaged to, the Bible tells us she, he was going to put her away quietly. The penalty for that in that day was death. So Mary really was facing the possibility of being stoned to death. And can you imagine people when they said, how did you fall pregnant? She said, well, the Holy Spirit. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell me another one. Can you imagine that? I mean, this is reality. We read these stories and we think, oh, isn't that beautiful? But she went to probably hell in doing all of that. And here she is. An ordinary person used by God. I want to put something up on the screen that's going to, to help us. I like the words but in the scriptures. In a moment we're going to read again the, the passage in 1 Corinthians. And it starts off, but. And the scriptures say that the wages of sin is death, but gift of God is eternal life. And we know that we're small, but God is big. Isn't that good? God is big. And no matter how small we feel, no matter how insignificant we feel, God is big. And he wants to come and help you. He wants to help me to carry our baton. We have our limitations, but God is limitless. In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul says that, that God can do more than we can even imagine. Now, most of us have got good imaginations, and our God can do more than what we can even imagine. 
we're weak, but he's strong. He's the one that's going to see us through. We are finite. In other words, we're going to die. But God is infinite, never to die. We are imperfect, but God is perfect in every way. We fail, but God never fails. We choose to stop, especially when things get rough, but God is unstoppable. No wonder Christine Kane called her book Unstoppable because God is so big and so great and so powerful. I want us to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And let me read this to you. Jane read to us earlier in the service, but let me read it again to you. And by the way, if the services are recorded and you can go to the sound desk and order the, the CDs. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 and 28. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the things that are wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And God has chosen the base things of the world and things which are despised has God chosen. Yea, the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. I call that God's tool chest. Every trade has its tools. You would never use the plumber's tools to do an electrical job. Well, I hope you don't. And you wouldn't use the carpenter's tools to, to be a jeweler. Every trade has its own tools. And God's tool chest are the base, the inferior, the despised, the rejected. So that covers everybody. And if we know Jesus, we have been brought into the family of God. And if we've been brought into the family of God, we are now in the relay race. And we have a baton to carry. And that baton is your story of what God has done in your life. It's a message of the wonderful gospel of Jesus Christ. The message that God is big, God is limitless, strong, infinite, perfect, never fails and unstoppable. He's a God who's there to see us through. Are we willing to let him do that? So again the question, how are you running your race? And are you passing on your baton? In a moment we're going to sing together and we're going to sing, it is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. And that's exactly what we've been talking about, eh? We've been talking about these women in the family tree. Insignificant people, enemies of the, of the children of God in some cases. And yet God comes and he changes them and, and he now allows them to be used by him. 
And God wants to take you and I and he wants us to be used by him. We're going to pray and then we're going to sing together. And when we sing, if you need prayer this morning, maybe there's, there's something in your life that you need just to hand over to God, then I'm encouraging you just to come down and, and to stand at the front so we can pray with you and for you. Let's come before me in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for wanting to use the inferior, the despised, the rejected of this world. Thank you for your tool chest. And thank you, Lord, that you have called us. And every one of us, Father, here, most likely have had an experience with you. And we've got our story. Help us, Father, to take up that baton our story, the message of your love, and to pass it on to those that we come in contact with. And this morning, Father, if you are willing to do dealings with us, and maybe, Father, there are those here who don't know you, and if that's the case, we encourage you to come forward and receive Jesus this morning. Or if you want prayer, to come forward in a moment. And Father, we just ask your Holy Spirit will just do his job, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand as we sing our final song together. If you want prayer, please feel free to come and get it.